Over the past few years, I have asked you guys to give me a rating and review. And if you've done that, thank you so, so much. I really appreciate it. It's so helpful. But if you haven't, I get it. I kind of get it. Like, I'm asking you to go and click on this thing and then like, how do I do it? And then I have to come up with some kind of a review and I don't know what to say and I'll do it later, right? I, I get it. I've, I've kind of been there before. I, I know exactly how you feel. And so I'm not asking you to do that now, okay? What I'm asking you to do now is so easy. Anybody can do it and it literally takes like one second. Go into whatever you're listening to, whether it's Apple Podcast or Spotify or whatever platform you're listening on, they all have it, and just click on the subscribe button. Just subscribe. It takes one second. You don't have to be creative. You don't have to come up with a review and write it all out and you know be self-conscious about it. Just hit that subscribe button. That would be so, so, so impactful for me. And if you're enjoying this and getting a lot out of it, that would mean the world to me. It really would. And it's so easy. Anyone can do it. Like, let's literally stop listening right now. Stop listening. Go and do it. That's how much it means to me. Nobody ever asks you to leave their show and stop listening for anything. But I'm asking you to stop listening right now. Go and just quickly subscribe. Come right back and take a listen. That would mean the world to me. I would really appreciate it. You guys are awesome. And I really appreciate it. Thanks. Yeah, <laughs> Chadwick. In in the uh, in the analogy I gave you, I did in fact invent the wheel. I did invent the wheel. That's a soundbite for social media. Mike Simmons invented the wheel. You're listening to the Just Start Real Estate Podcast. If you're serious about your real estate investing business and need real answers, you are in the right place. And now, your host, Mike Simmons. All right, thank you for joining me on the show today. I appreciate it. I've got another great Q&A replay for you that I'm excited to bring you. Really great conversation. Lots of live interaction. It was totally, totally a blast for me. Uh, we talked about a lot of things. Uh, among them, how do you comp a house like a one-bedroom, one-bath when there's nothing comparable to it? There's all two- and three-bedroom houses around it. Uh, we talked a lot about that. I really kind of broke down the, uh, the the process of comping a property when you don't have a great comp to compare it to. Uh, we talked about skip tracing companies. Uh, we talked about some limiting beliefs. Uh, we had some, like I said, a lot of live interaction uh, there. We talked about direct mail and what that can do for you. And we had some people chiming in about actually their numbers, their direct mail leads like what kind of uh, ROI they're getting for every dollar they spend, how much are they getting in actual money realized into their company. So it was really a fun, interesting conversation that other people were participating. Uh, really, really cool. And I think you guys will be interested to hear some of those uh, direct mail numbers. So you definitely want to check this one out. I'm excited that you're here and uh, I won't delay any further. I give you my latest Q&A. Guys, welcome to my Wednesday Q&A. My name is Mike Simmons. If you don't know me, I'm an investor from Michigan, a real estate investor that is, uh, not a stock market, stock market guy. Couldn't help you there, but I am a real estate investor from Michigan and try to get that out of frame. Uh, I, I have... Uh, I've been doing real estate since 08. And so uh, I have been through the ups and the downs of the real estate market. And uh, so I come here every Wednesday at seven o'clock Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific to help you with your real estate questions. Uh, I am never late until today. So I'm, I'm late today. If you got here on time and I wasn't here, I apologize. If you got here and you left because I wasn't on time and you didn't come back, no apologies. You're not here. So I might as well not apologize to you. But no, seriously, guys, I, I was late and I apologize if you guys were here. Uh, but 
uh, I'm here now. And uh, uh, it was a family thing that ran over a little bit. And I'll tell you, if, uh, if there's one advice, I, one piece of advice I have for you is uh, do not deprioritize your family. And uh, if you have to make a choice, then the choice is easy. You always choose your family. Uh, but I do have this obligation and I love doing this. So I wanted to get here as soon as possible. Um, and again, we're here to talk about your real estate questions. And like I said, I've been through all the market cycles and, and I know what to expect with what's coming, or at least I have a pretty good idea what to expect. Anybody who was around in 08 and 09, is sort of ready for this. And I don't think we're going to have that kind of a situation again. And maybe we'll talk about that if we have questions pertaining to the market. But uh, it's always good to to uh, talk to someone who's been through the things that you're about to go through, no matter what it is, real estate, certainly, but life in general, right? Find someone who's kind of been there, done that and pick their brain. And uh, that's what this is for tonight. Uh, also, uh, for you, I have created something that should help you as the market shifts and you're trying to grow your business. It's all about getting leads. It's always about getting leads, guys. Our business is actually pretty simple. It's not, it's not easy, but it's simple. And the simplicity of it is, if you're getting enough leads into your business, and depending on the kind of real estate you're doing, if you're a house flipper, then you need to raise money. If you're a, a landlord, you probably need to raise money or you need to find money. So there's two things. There's leads and money that that is really the bottom line in, the, in sort of the pillars that will hold up your business. There's a lot that goes on in between. I get that. But if you have enough good quality leads coming in and enough money to, to, to purchase or to monetize those leads in some way, however you're doing it, then you you really can't be stopped. There's the stuff in the middle is is doable. It's also simple, relatively simple. Um, but putting it all together all together can be difficult. And so, in order to take some of the burden off of you uh, to find leads, new leads, good leads, quality leads for your business, I've created a program called Winning Direct Mail. Winning Direct Mail is the culmination of the last seven years of my business of me spending lots of money every month on direct mail and trying things, figuring out what works, figuring out what doesn't work. And ultimately, there's a million dollars worth of learning. Literally, I've spent a million dollars on, on um, marketing direct mail over the last seven years. And so there's a million dollars worth of learning and knowledge that I'm giving you for free. All you have to do is go to mikesimmons.com forward slash winning direct mail. And if you can't remember all that, just go to MikeSimmons.com. There is a link right on the top of the homepage where you can go and get that uh, video course for free. Um, it's well worth it, guys. One extra lead a year is, is you know, depending on your market, it's thousands or tens of thousands. It depends on how you, how you, what kind of business you're running or a wholesaler or a flipper. But it's worth, you know, obviously it's a free course. So it's worth, you know, it's a, it's an infinite return on your, on your, on your money. Cause there's no money involved. Uh, so go and grab that, get your direct mail dialed in. If you're already doing direct mail, I think I can make it better. I really do. If you're not doing direct mail and you need leads for your business, which is everyone, including me, like everyone needs more leads, go and grab it because I think it's a great way for you to ramp up and and sort of speed up the learning process of direct mail. You don't have to reinvent the wheel. I, in this analogy, invented the wheel. And so you can go and use my wheel. You don't have to reinvent it. All right, let's, uh, let's dive into today's questions and see what we have. 
Okay. First question, how do you comp a one-bed, one-bath house if the only closest comps are two-bedroom, one-bath? Um, there's a couple ways you can do this. Uh, and, and again, comping houses is a little bit more of an art than it is a science. And so there's no formula necessarily that is a one-size-fits-all. But what I would do is uh, I would look at the two-bedroom, one-bath, and then I would look at the three bedroom, one bath, and I would try to correlate what is what is the value when you go from two bedrooms to three bedrooms. Now, this isn't perfect, but it's a starting point, right? Look at when you go from a two bedroom to a three bedroom. And let's just say, because I don't know the comps in your market, I don't know the price points, but I'm going to use Michigan numbers, okay? So if you're in an area that's way more expensive, just buckle up. I'm going to buckle up. I'm going to be saying some low numbers that you're going to be really jealous of. So in Michigan, and, and I'm just going to pick a random market in Michigan, but a, a two-bedroom, one-bathroom house, well, as a matter of fact, I just bought a couple of them. So uh, I can tell you, and these are these are investor um, investor prices, right? These are, these are the prices I bought it for. It's not the ARV, but I'm going to get to that. I bought two houses that were two-bedroom, one-bath in Michigan for $55,000 each. Okay. So 110 between the both of them. So let's just, let's just take one of them off the table for a minute. So we can just be making this a little clearer. I bought a two bedroom, one bathroom house for $55,000. Um, the comps for that are about 110. So I bought it at about 50 cents on the dollar. When you go up to a three bedroom house, you go from like a $110,000 ARV to about $125,000, maybe 130,000. And so we're going up by, you know, twenty to thirty thousand. Let's just say, or twenty to twenty-five thousand is what the difference is going from two-bedroom to three-bedroom. I just know I have these numbers in my head because I recently had to comp these. And so about twenty-five thousand dollars for that extra bedroom. When you lose a bedroom and you go down to a one bath or one bed and one bath, the problem with there is, and the reason it's a little different, a two-bedroom house and a three-bedroom house. Both of those can house a family, a small family, maybe maybe a uh, uh, husband and wife with one kid, husband and wife, two kids could theoretically fit in a two bedroom house. They could also fit in a three bedroom house. They're really not going to fit well in a one bedroom house. So you're starting to cut off the market and the, and the buyer pool that you might have. And so if I were going to, and using my numbers, right, I know that, that my two bedroom is $110,000 ARV after repair value. And I know if it had a third bedroom, I'd be closer to 130, probably something like that. Maybe maybe even 135. So if that's the case, going down to a one bedroom, I would imagine I'm gonna for sure at least least lose my 25,000 that that I gain when I go up a bedroom. I'm gonna I'm gonna take that off if I go down to a, a one bedroom, right? And so we go from 110 to what's my public math here? 185, I think is right. 185 would be the number. Um, the number that I would expect at, at most probably for that one bedroom. And you kind of have to kind of look around if the other houses are two bedrooms and this is the only one bedroom, the neighborhood kind of demands probably more of a two or three bedroom, uh, you know, layout. And so probably to feel safe, I probably want to be in the $75,000 range on that one, you know, using the numbers that I'm using in my market. That's probably about that's probably fair unless there's something really awesome about this house because if your one bedroom house has an acre of land and all the two bedrooms have you know a quarter of an acre or less 
that counts for something too. So there's other variables at play here, right? Uh, if your one bedroom, by the way, is a, confer- a converted one bedroom, meaning it was a two bedroom, but at some point somebody knocked a wall out and created one large master bedroom because before it only had two maybe small or medium sized bedrooms and you could put a wall up and create two bedrooms, then, you know, you can adjust your numbers a little bit. So there's some variables here, but you, you really, you have to use what you have. And if you don't have a comparable, you have to take the closest thing and then you make some logical assumptions or make some logical modifications to that number based off other numbers. The other thing you can do is if you're not going to use the, hey, go up a, a bedroom and then figure out how much you gain by going up and then take that off when you go down. That's one way. The other way is look at price per square foot. Price per square foot might sort of land you in a similar place. So if the price per square foot for a two-bedroom house that is, let's just say, a 1,000 square feet, two-bedroom house, the price per square foot is $150 per square foot. And you go down to a one-bedroom house, theoretically, it's probably a smaller house. And so you still may get that $150, the $150 per square foot. But now instead of a 1,000 square foot, it's 500 square feet or five, you know, 750 square feet. And so you can just do that math and arrive at a similar location. That's, those are the two ways I would kind of look at doing it. The other thing I would do is, I don't know how you're pulling your comps, but most people go no more than a half a mile away and no more than six months old, right? And in this market where things are kind of going down in value, it's hard to go six months back because six months back, we were living in a much different real estate world than we're living now. I, we just are. I, don't, I almost It almost doesn't matter what market you're in. I can, I can say that with a lot of confidence because my market's not getting hit super hard. By, by house prices fluctuating, but you could definitely get more six months ago for your house than you can right now. So you kind of have to, you kind of have to constrict that a little bit, but out of curiosity, I would go back farther than six months and start comparing apples to apples because you can still do ratio comparisons, meaning go back six months or a year and just see the difference between if, if there are, if, if there's one bedroom houses that sold six months or a year ago. And just look back then, I know it was a different market, but just look back then and say, okay, going from a two bedroom to a one bedroom, reduce the value by 25%. And if you see that a year ago and you see that same ratio eight months ago, and you see that same ratio six months ago and four months ago, there's a pretty good chance the ratio will still stand because everything is going up and down at the same time, right? Two bedroom houses aren't holding their value in one one bedroom going down. They're both going down. So if there's that 25% gap between a two bedroom and a one bedroom, when values go up, you'll still see the same gap percentage wise. And when it goes down, you'll still see the same gap. So that's another way you could do it. I feel like I just gave a long answer to probably what somebody thought was a quick question, but there you go. That's my, that's my long answer to a, it's actually, it's a very nuanced question. There's a lot of, uh, Adam Whitney, my man, direct mail, Adam, I don't know if you've gotten that, uh, video course that I did, but, uh, nice. We're getting, so Adam Whitney says he's getting $3 and 56 cents for every $1 that they spend with direct mail. It's very, that's, that's a great ratio and you can do it too. You really can guys. Uh, you just go go grab winning direct mail. I'm telling you, I just laid it out for you. I made it so easy to just go and and do it because if you imagine in Whitney and in, in Adam Whitney's case, if he spends a dollar and he gets back three dollars and fifty cents, if I hand you a dollar or if you hand me a dollar and I give you back three fifty, 
and I say, I don't care how many dollars you give me, no matter how many dollars you give me, I'm going to give you back $3.56. I would imagine most of you would be scrambling for your wallet or your purse or your center, center console in your car or whatever. You'd be looking for all the money you could give me, right? It's a no-brainer. I mean, somebody asked me one time, what is your marketing budget? Like how much, what's the most you'll spend on marketing? And I said, there is no limit. There's no limit to what I'll spend in theory. I mean, I don't spend billions of dollars. I don't have billions of dollars, but there's theoretically no limit because if I can always predictably get back $3.56 for every dollar that I spend, I would, I would have to dislike money and success to stop spending money on that particular avenue, right? Because it's just it's just a slam dunk. That's a slam dunk. So um, I'm joking, right? You have to be careful you don't put yourself out of business because one bad month where maybe you don't get that return could be really, really bad. But Adam is a super successful seasoned investor. He, he tracks his KPIs. He knows what to expect in the good times and the bad, right? I'm, I'm assuming that what he's telling me here is kind of an average over some a period of time. So if you know that, then you should be spending more and more and more as long as you continue to see the same return. If you start spending more and more and your returns start going down, right? Point of diminishing returns, then maybe that's when you throttle back your marketing. That's when most people throttle back their marketing when they're not seeing the same returns. So anyways, went on a little detour there, but thanks, Adam. I appreciate that little social proof. Yeah. <laughs> Chadwick. In in the uh, in the analogy I gave you, I did in fact invent the wheel. I did invent the wheel. That's a soundbite for social media. Mike Simmons invented the wheel. Isaac, what's up, man? How you doing? Thank you. I appreciate it. I will keep up the good work. You keep coming back and asking questions, man. How do I get a sample letter? Uh, I don't send letters. I send postcards. Spoiler alert. If you go and get my direct mail course, I do give you the, the postcard that I've used to make the vast majority of the money that I've made in real estate over the last seven years. If you go and grab that course, I not only give you the card, I do you one better. I break the card down. I explain to you why it works. And that's important because a year from now, five years from now, 10 years from now, you may not want to be using the exact same postcard or letter or whatever, right? You want to switch it up every once in a while to see your test, to see what, what works better. And so I break the card down so you can reconstruct a different card with a different design, but still keep the elements or understand the elements that make that card work. I want you to understand it, right? So it's kind of like teach a man to fish versus give a man to fish. I'm going to give you that fish. I'm giving you my card. Here you go. Use it as you see fit. But I'm teaching you how to build your card the next time you decide you want to switch up your design a little bit. So go grab the course, man. I'm telling you, it's not... Uh, I put a lot of time and energy into it. I really feel like I could charge $5,000 because if you get one deal from it, one deal in almost any market, you're going to make that or 10 times that depending on the time of, type of uh, investing you're doing. If you're a house flipper in California and that my course gets you one more deal, it's probably $50,000, $100,000 worth of value, right? It's free. I should charge for it, but I really want you guys to have it because... Frankly, I answer these questions a lot. So it's great to just direct you to something that will just lay it out for you in a much more thorough, comprehensive way than I can tonight on the time that I have available. And you can stop, pause, rewind, all that stuff. So go and grab it. All right. What's the next question? All right. Next question. What are the best companies to work with that do skip tracing? So full disclosure, I don't use a lot of companies for... Um, 
Let's keep tracing. I use one company and they've never let me down and I've never had a reason to go anywhere else. I happen to know the guy uh, who uh, who runs the company and he's high integrity, super, super smart guy uh, with a great product. And so when I find something like that at a great price, I don't move. And so the name of the company that I use is called Lead Fusion. It's all one word. And instead of using an S for fusion, it's a Z. So L-E-A-D-F-U-Z-I-O-N.com. Leadfusion.com. Uh, go there. Uh, the owner's name is Rob. And if you say, Rob, Mike sent me, he will take care of you and he will not give me a commission. I make nothing from it and I don't want to make anything from it. I'm just telling you about it because he is the best and that's who you should be using. So go and check out Lead Fusion with a Z. Tell Rob Mike Simmons sent you. All it will get me is next time I see him, he'll go, hey, man, thanks for referring people to me. And I'll go, no problem, Rob. You're awesome. Keep rocking. And he'll say, all right, Mike, I'll, I won't go through the rest of the conversation, but that's essentially how it'll start. And then it'll it'll fly from there. All right. So Lead Fusion is who I recommend. All right. Next question. What do you think are the biggest limiting beliefs to just getting started real estate? <laughs> that's hilarious. Well, I have a podcast called Just Start Real Estate. And I started that podcast because I know the biggest barrier to being successful in real estate and really anything is getting started. It's just that beginning part, right? It's getting off your butt and starting the process. And it's like running a marathon. I've never run a marathon. My wife has run a couple. Uh, but for me, if I were going to run a marathon, I can almost guarantee you the worst part of the marathon would be like the first mile. And I'm not saying because I'd be tired. I'm sure the worst physically it would be would be mile 26. But to me, psychologically, the worst part of that whole thing would be mile one because I would just be going, God, are we almost done? But that's why I don't run a marathon because I don't want to run 26 miles without stopping. Uh, limiting beliefs. The biggest limiting beliefs, there's, there's, a, there's a couple of things that people do uh, or don't do or think about when they're going to start something like a real estate business. Um, and there's a, some things that people are are afraid of and their limiting beliefs. Number one is that the, the probably the biggest limiting belief right now where we are in our market right now is uh, the biggest limiting belief is the market is that it doesn't work in this market or that this market is going to make it harder. So you should wait like whenever whenever you think that you should do something, the minute you start talking yourself into waiting for some time in the future, for whatever reason, that should be a big red flag to you, to yourself, that you're making excuses, limiting beliefs. Trust me, there's no better time to start something than right now, whether it's real estate, getting in shape, being nicer to your friends and family, showering every day, whatever, whatever it is that you want to start doing now is the time to do it because there's an old saying, I don't know who said it first, so I don't know who to attribute it to. So I apologize, but it goes something like this. The best time to start anything 10 years ago, next best time today, right now. Um, there's something that I like to talk about uh, a lot. It's a, it's a, um, it's a theory or it's this belief called the law of diminishing intent. The law of diminishing intent says, essentially, I'm going to paraphrase a little bit. Law of diminishing intent says, the longer you wait to do something that you know you should do or you want to do, the more likely it is that you will never do it, right? And so if you said, 
hey, this Mike guy is pretty cool. I just found him tonight. Never heard of him before. It sounds like he made this program called Winning Direct Mail, and it's free, and he really makes it sound like I should go and get it. I really want to learn direct mail because I want to start growing my real estate business. I'm going to go get that free course because, my gosh, why is he not charging for it? He's such a nice guy. I'm going to get that free course. I'll wait till he's done talking tonight, and then I'll go get it. And then I get done talking, and you go, you know what? I've been sitting here for half an hour, 45 minutes. I'm thirsty, and I have to go to the bathroom, and I need to tuck my kids in, and I'll get it later when everyone's in bed. And then it's later, and you're like, Ugh, uh, I'm watching the new Game of Thrones on wherever it is, Netflix or wherever wherever it is, HBO Max, whatever. I'm watching the new Game of Thrones, and I'll ugh, I'll do it after that. I, I'm just going to sit here. I'm tired. I want to sit here. You fall asleep on the couch. You go to bed. You wake up the next day. You go to work. You think about it at work. You say you do it when you get home. You totally forget for the next week. A month later, it comes into your head. You forget about it. like That's how it works, right? We all I've done it. We've all done that. The law of diminishing intent. The longer you wait to do something, the more likely it is you will never, never do it. And so the biggest limiting belief is that you have this market that's shifting. And because it's changing and it's going to be different, people are afraid. But I'm here to tell you, I'm going to beat this drum probably for the next year or two. I'm, I'm here to tell you the market that's coming or the market that we're rolling into, it's not coming, it's here and we're kind of rolling into it. It is a, in my opinion, it'll be a better, easier market to succeed as a real estate investor. The market we just left, hyper uh, uh, equity growth, like prices going up like crazy. That's really hard to be a real estate investor sometimes in that environment. It's easy to sell houses, right? Once you have a house, like a house flipper, you have a house and house prices are, are going through the roof. That's easy. I know that part's easy, guys. What I'm saying is what's hard is getting deals sometimes in that market that's so, so hot because everybody thinks they're sitting on a gold mine and some people are literally sitting on a pile of trash, calling it a house, and they think it's a gold mine because everyone's telling them that house prices are going up. And so that discussion becomes difficult to get them to understand what's happening. Now, the market we're going into, it's going to take a minute for consumers, sellers, to get on board with the house prices going down because everyone still wants to believe, ah, my house is really, really, um, you know, the value is really, really high because it was six months ago or a year ago. It takes them a minute to get it through their head that th they're not in the same market they were six months ago or a year ago. The media is doing us some favors because they're starting to tell us this. You're starting to see it in the media, on social media all over the internet, right? The house prices are going down. We're in this, you know, real estate crash. You know, some people are really over-dramatizing it. And that's going to help sellers sort of see the light a little bit. But once they start seeing the light, you're going to be able to get houses at a much better discount, a much, much better discount. The trick in the market that we're going into is you have to understand at what rate house prices are dropping. So you can make offers appropriately so that when you're done flipping it, for example, house prices haven't gone down so far that you're not making money or you're making a lot less than you thought you were going to make. And so I'm going to use an analogy that's going to maybe go over the heads of some people. It's a it's a football analogy, right? When a quarterback throws the ball to a receiver, the receiver's running. Okay, let's just say they're running across the field. And the quarterback, you can't throw the ball where they are when the ball re is released from your hand because they're running. And so by the time the ball gets to them, it'll be behind them, right? 
It's called leading the pass. It's called leading the, the receiver. So a quarterback leads a receiver. So when he throws the ball because the receiver is running across the field, you have to throw the ball where he's going to be. And so in real estate, when we're doing our comps to go back, you know, even to the beginning of this, um, of this, the first question, when you're, when you're pulling your comps, you have to kind of lead the receiver. In other words, you have to look at the rate prices are dropping, kind of understand what's happening. And then you need to create an ARV that maybe is lower than it is if you were selling it today, right? Cause you're not selling it today. You're selling it in four five, six months. So you have to look at what you think and predict the prices in four five, six months. They're going to go down. Right? So that that's the challenge. But I personally, I would rather be able to get more deals under contract easier because coming up with the comps and predicting where the market's going to be, to me, that's easier. That's a little bit more of a math problem, a little bit of art, a lot of science to try to understand where it's going to be. Talking to a seller who is convinced their house is worth way more than it's worth because the media is telling them that, that's what we were in six months ago, a year ago, that's a harder market. And so, you know, I know that people are afraid because it's changed, but the biggest limiting belief is that you can't do it because of the market, or you can't do it because you don't have enough money in the bank, or you can't do it because you have bad credit, or you can't do it because you failed at something before. You can't do it because if you fail, you're going to be embarrassed and everyone's going to laugh at you and you're going to be this humiliated person, right? All these are limiting beliefs and they're all excuses and it's all comes from fear, right? Limiting beliefs to me equals, equals, I don't know how to, equals, uh, and when you make decisions out of fear, they're never good decisions. Think about anything in your life, any decision you've ever made that you made it because you were afraid. That's specifically what made you make your decision is fear. I can guarantee you that didn't work out well. It wasn't a good decision. And so starting a business, growing a business, whatever, in real estate, in this market, if, if there's something holding you back, some, some limiting belief, some fear, it's not, it's not a good way to make a decision. So limiting beliefs can be tough, but they're just excuses. They're just fear. You have to push through it. We're in a great market, guys. We are going into a great market. I'm super excited, super excited. I can't wait for house prices to continue to drop. It's awesome. For a real estate investor, it's awesome, right? We're going to crush. And anyone who gets into this market and anyone who stays in this market and pushes through and really like understands what, what's in front of them, it has an opportunity to do really, really well. If I could dial back time and go back to 2008 when I started, because I didn't know anything back then. I was clueless. I didn't take advantage of the market back then because I didn't know what to do. I didn't even know it was, I could take it. I didn't even know what was going on, right? If I could go back to that time, I would just, it would be incredible. It'd be so great. What a great time to go back to as a real estate investor, right? We're probably not going to see things happen like they did in 2008 anytime soon. But even a little dip or some dip or halfway to what we were in 2008 would be a huge, huge advantage for real estate investors. So don't be afraid of the market um, and, and just stop making excuses, really. I mean, it just just start, man. That's, that's the name of the game. If you're listening to this right now on my podcast as a replay, you know it. I talk about it all the time. You just have to get started. It's, there's no substitute for that. You have to. All right. Uh, let's see. Let's see. We've got a couple questions for folks that are here with us live. Let's see. Chadwick, what do you think is the biggest barrier to people starting up and scaling bigger? Two questions. The biggest barrier to them starting up 
It's just fear of the unknown. They're afraid of losing money. They're afraid of not knowing enough. You know, these real estate transactions are big, right? We're talking tens, hundreds of thousands, maybe millions, depending on what your market is and what you're doing. And so it's just, you know, big things like that scare people. So um, to get started, probably the biggest thing is just making excuses. I don't have enough time. I don't have enough money. You know, um, my credit score is bad. You know, just all these silly things that people bring up. They're not silly. They're they're rational to a person who doesn't know any better and who is looking for a way to not get started. I did it. That's why I'm being a little harsh, but exactly what I did. I didn't get started for years when I wanted to. I thought I needed to know more. I wasn't educated enough. I thought I was going to, I didn't want to make a mistake, right? And I want to look stupid. I, I didn't want to tell everybody, my friends and family, that I was going to flip houses or, or do that kind of stuff. And, uh, and so I didn't do it because I was like afraid of losing you know, face kind of looking dumb. I was afraid of losing money. I was afraid of knowing up. That's all these things, right? They're just, they're irrational fears. The same reason why people don't want to get on a roller coaster, for example, they're just kind of irrational fears. You know, what if the thing flies off the track? What if I fly out of the car? Like, it's like for someone who goes on a roller coaster, it's like, come on, it's not going to, come on. Are you serious? That's how I feel about it when people are afraid to get started in real estate. I seriously, my, my brain goes to like, come on, what are you talking about? Let's go, right? But, but it's real fierce to someone who's never done it. So that's starting up. Scaling bigger, whole different ball of wax, right? I, I wrote a whole book on what I did to go from kind of the solo operator, kind of doing a few deals here and there, you know, not a lot of traction. Let's call it right here. It's called level jumping. If you go to Amazon and type in level jumping or go to my website, mikesimmons.com, you can go get it from there too. But um, scaling up, what stops people from scaling up is a lot a lot more, it's really easy to get started because what's holding you back is like, you can fix it with a snap of fingers. What keeps people from scaling is a lot of things. Number one, they're not tracking their numbers. They don't really know how successful they are. They have no way of knowing because they're not tracking anything, right? So you don't track your numbers, you're going to fail. They're not hiring. They're, they're afraid to hire. And when you don't hire, it's very hard to scale. You can only do so much, right? Everybody has different levels of optimization and efficiency and all that kind of stuff. But if you don't hire somebody, you still have a very finite amount of things that you can get done. Even if it's more than me, it's still limited. And so everybody who scales, everybody I know who has scaled their business will tell you the number one reason they were able to scale is because they started hiring people, bringing people in, building a team. And they know that they can accomplish more with a team than they can by themselves. And so you know, one of the things that holds people back from hiring a team is they don't want to be responsible for people. They don't want to be responsible for people's income, right? I get that. But you have to hire in order to scale. You have to run your numbers uh, in order to scale. You have to run your business like a business. You need a system and a process for doing things. You can't just make it up as you go and kind of fly by the seat of your pants. And a lot of people get started in real estate flying by the seat of their pants and they get a certain level of, of success doing that. But you can't grow. You need you need processes and systems to grow. You need a foundation to build on. When you bring when you bring team members in, it can't all be in your head, right? There has to be something on paper or something on a computer screen they can look at, a process, a checklist, whatever. So you have to start thinking like a like a business, not like a, somebody who's running a lemonade stand at the end of their driveway, as I always say. So those are a couple of things, man. Those are a couple of things that hold people back. All right, let's move on to the next one. All right, Adam's getting getting sophisticated on me. Adam Whitney, what do you think about vertically integrating a retail model through a national brokerage to monetize more leads? Um, 
if you're getting those kind of leads, I mean, the way you the way that you ask this, Adam, I'm assuming you're getting some sort of retail leads that you want to monetize. So you want to bring in a brokerage to monetize these these retail uh, leads. If that's the case, in in your case, Adam, I would say, yeah, for sure. If you if you're already getting those leads with the effort that you're doing now. And you're like, I'm sick of throwing these in the garbage or just giving them away or whatever you're doing with them now, then yeah, I think that's smart for you. You're a, you're, you know, you're running a business that's at scale. You have systems and processes, you have a team, you're running an operation that has it's it's kind of been normalized, right? I mean, I know you're always improving and trying things. I get that, but you've sort of you've sort of normalized your your business. And so that is always the time where you can start bringing in, you know, other verticals, uh, and you can start doing other things that make sense that are sort of tangential to what you're doing now or complementary, or, you know, utilizing leads that you're already paying for. I think it's, yeah, I think you for sure could do that. I, I think you should do that. I think you owe it to your business, to your people, to yourself. Absolutely. Now, if you'd have asked the question differently and said, Hey, I'm doing this, you know, I'm, I'm wholesaling and I'm doing some flips here and there. And I'm thinking about starting this whole other marketing campaign to this whole other industry and I'm this whole other process Then I might, I might be more inclined to tell you to tap the brakes. I still don't know that I would tell you not to do it, but it, I think you have to, you have to undertake that with a little different mindset maybe than, than what you're talking about. I mean, you're still talking about a kind of a whole other industry and a whole other like thing, but I feel like what you're trying to do, if I'm hearing you right, Adam, and I know you're here live, so you could always respond. But I think what I'm hearing you say is, I have these opportunities. I'm already getting them. What if I just grab this broker and kind of that person helps me monetize these things? And then I can just sort of monetize this thing that I've, I've previously been sort of flushing down the toilet. That that makes total sense to me. All right. 246 leads online, 60 went to appointment, seven contracts. I want the other 180 leads to be monetized. Absolutely. Yeah, 100%. Do it, man. I, I know you personally, so I don't feel bashful or shy about telling you to do it. You're a winner. You're a smart guy. You're going to do it. You can do it. So yes, you you should do it. And I want to hear about it when you do it, man. Tell me, how, I'm, I'll talk to you in a couple of, or in a month here. In Orlando, by the way, if you guys haven't gotten your tickets for Flip Hacking Live, uh, then go and do that right now. You can go to fliphackinglive.com. I'm going to be there. Adam's going to be there. Uh, Adam, I think you're speaking, aren't you? You can tell me. You can respond. I think you're speaking, but I'm speaking there. So go there if you want to see me, at least. Maybe Adam, you can see too. Uh, go to Flip Hacking Live. It's Orlando, the October 13th through the 15th. Um, go to fliphackinglive.com to grab your tickets, and uh, I'll see you there if you guys go. Okay, what else do we have? All right, Corey, what's up, Corey? I haven't talked to you while I was thinking about you the other day, man. Uh, I spent an hour and 40 minutes today with a seller talking about the market and educating them on where we are, yada, yada, yada. <laughs> I, I got the deal at 37K less than when we started the conversation. Perfect. That's great. And you're really good at that part of the business. I know this because I know you, but also I know this because you just gave me evidence. Some people will go in and talk to a seller and let them know what's going on in the market, educating them, and the seller will walk away thinking that that person was trying to scam them and steal their house. Other people who are really good at it 
will get a reduction in, in price because they the seller believes them and they're genuine and authentic and they have good sales skills. And so that's an example of good sales skills. I think 40 minutes was uh, well worth it to save $37,000. Uh, I don't know what that is. Uh, it's almost $1,000 a minute, right? So not bad to make $1,000 a minute. So you, we're going to have to educate these sellers for a while, a little bit, right? We can point them to things and, and maybe bring you know materials that kind of prove our point. But the, the bottom line is you're going to have to educate them in the short term. In the long term, they're going to get it. But it, right now, some people haven't gotten the word. You know, I don't watch the news, honestly. So I said uh, about a month ago, a month and a half, I said to someone, pretty soon the media is going to start doing the work for us. And they said, what are you talking about? The media is already telling people that their house prices are dropping. But I don't watch the news. So I didn't know. So now I change that to the media is already helping us because they are. So, uh, but educating the, the sellers is what we're going to be doing for a while until they get it. Okay. Anything else, Angela? Bob Sleeves. You missed it. Yeah, you did miss it, man. I miss you. I haven't seen you in a while. You used to pop on here and say hello to me. Uh, but I will be in Orlando. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what you're asking, Bob. Adam Whitney, what did he say? What did I say to what? I don't know. I think I'm confused. I'm missing. I'm missing something. But hey, Bob, how's it going, man? I hope you're doing well, and I hope I see you in or, or in Orlando in uh, about a month. Angela, do we have more or not? Are we any more any more questions from the uh, from the audience? All right, we're good. All right, to everyone who is here live, I appreciate you. Thank you for showing up. It makes it so much more fun when we have live conversations. I'm happy to answer your questions that you send me through DMs and email and things like that. It's awesome. Uh, love the live questions. So uh, tune in here live, guys, every week. I'm here for you. It's free, right? Like the course, Winning Direct Mail. Go grab that. That's free too. This time for you is free. I'm giving away a lot of free stuff. So grab it while it's free. All right. We'll see you guys next week, 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific. We'll see you there. All right. I hope you enjoyed that. Remember, I do these Q&As live on Facebook on Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific. I hope you enjoyed this. Tune in next week for another installment of live Q&As answering your questions. Okay. Until next time.